everyone. Welcome to the April 29th, 2022 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Longtime Denver politician Dennis Gallagher passed away last week. Gallagher served as an auditor and a city councilman of Denver, of Denver, in addition to serving as a state representative and state senator from his beloved North Denver. Dennis was also kind enough to serve as a key influence for our award, uh, Emmy Award-winning Time Machine specials. We want to show you a clip of our trip to 1858, where Dennis Gallagher plays General Larimer, arguing with Dr. Tom Noel about the turf war between the towns of Denver and Auraria. Let's take a look. Claim jumper. I'm tired of you people in Auraria calling General Larimer a claim jumper. I am not a claim jumper. You were duly duly paid for every square inch of this valuable site you got. You stole this from Little Raven I, and Arapahoe. I deny that completely, and I want to know what the heck's on top of this, uh, this jug of whiskey. This is whiskey towel slight. Very distressed. Gentlemen. What you have to know about this, that not only was uh, were both of them fantastic and joined us for other episodes, but that was pure ad-lib. We just said, here's the setup. They came in their own costumes, and was just one way that uh, Dennis Gallagher was generous with his time with us, and we we're grateful for that. Let's get to comments about this. Patty Calhoun from Westward, as always, we start with you. Uh, Dennis was a character and somebody who was always about North Denver, regardless of what role he was playing, be it in state or local government. What do you think? Well, about North Denver, about Denver, and about Colorado. Um, he was in the legislature when I first started Westward. He'd been there for seven years. Then he went on to be in council. He went on to the state audit, to the audit, Denver auditor's position. And I'd forgotten just what a wild race that was in 2003. He came in with all these credentials. He was up against former councilman Ed Thomas, former councilwoman Debbie Ortega, and it was just crazy politics. But he really went into that office and changed it a lot. I mean, he was a very good, strong auditor who cared about everything in the city. You remember he was upset about I-70. I mean, he was serious about making this a better city. He was also a lot of fun, as anyone who watched that knows. He would put on these different History Colorado programs with Tom Noel. I frequently got to play Polly Pry, the crusading journalist from the Denver Post. So I played her with him on the time machines. I got to interview him as Mayor Spear. He was a great, great he was Denver in so many ways, and it is a duller town without him. And we should all be inspired to go out, talk to our neighbors, get more involved in what we do. You're here. <coughs> David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Dennis Gallagher is one of those type of people that really got involved with policy and I, I consider kind of an old school politician, not afraid to knock on doors and have those conversations with neighbors to really get a movement rolling. Uh, and uh, certainly not a whole lot of people left that could do what he did for local community. What are your thoughts of Dennis Gallagher? Well, like you said, he really, and as a beautiful obituary in the Intermountain Jewish News said, uh, he liked getting out and being with people. And of course, everybody knows all the Irish celebrations he did being an Irish Catholic, but he also, he was very present at the at Jewish events in the community and just in, enjoyed other human beings. He, he was a family friend since the uh, you know 1970s. Uh, he exemplified the traditional Democratic Party of being the the working man's party, the Gallagher Amendment, which he pushed through in 1982 and was only recently repealed uh, for a long time, made affording housing more affordable in, in Colorado by keeping residential property taxes low. And he was also, uh, like the 
Democratic Party of his time, uh, a, a very strong civil libertarian. But he also, because he'd gone to Catholic school, had outstanding handwriting. And in fact, one of the things he would do was he was, he was very good at calligraphy. And so he would write on some beautiful paper, the Athenian oath uh, to the city and send that to people, which he recast as the oath to Denver. So he was absolutely a, a strong Denver and, and Colorado patriot. Eric Sonneman joins us, longtime political analyst here at PBS 12, also a columnist with the Gazette newspapers and Colorado politics. Eric, there, there's so many parts of Denver that Dennis Gallagher left an impression upon, whether it's his time at council and as an auditor, as a state representative, uh, and all the way through that, doing things like uh, David mentioned on the side. I know as an alum of Regis University, he taught great classes there. He led historic tours at all of its cemetery. Uh, your thoughts of Gallagher's passing and his impact in Colorado? I'll agree with both Patty and David. He was an old school politician. He was a, pe a people person, an earthy, out there in the community person. Dennis and I never did the secret handshake. I'm not gonna feign a closeness, personal closeness uh, that wasn't there. But Denver is a poor city for his passing. Uh, it was a richer city for his contributions, uh, for his life. He was an original. Uh, you know, we all talk about authenticity in politics. And it doesn't get much more authentic than Dennis Gallagher. Well, in everyone's taste, but it doesn't get uh, much more authentic. My fear is that 20 years from now, you know, after another generation, and you mentioned the name Dennis Gallagher, all of the personal touches will be lost and people will just talk about the Gallagher Amendment. And by then, who knows what happens to property values. They may be wishing it was still around. <laughs> Running on the panel, dear friend, Ed Sealever, senior reporter at the Denver Business Journal. I should say award-winning senior reporter at Denver Business Journal. It's great to have you here, Ed. Uh, you've, you talk to politicians for a living. Uh, clearly, Dennis uh, and his moments were probably before a little bit of your time because you weren't covering the city hall when he was there. But what are your thoughts about his impact on politics, both state and uh, in, in the city? It, two points. One uh, is we've mentioned the Gallagher Amendment, uh, which lasted for 38 uh, years. Um, even though that was repealed, it set the conversation about who should be paying for Colorado. And that conversation bled into all kinds of tax discussions. It was no longer about everyone paying their equal way. It's who should be responsible for this growth and paying the way for it. And that impact will continue far beyond the time of the Gallagher Amendment. The second that, um, when I think of Dennis Gallagher, I actually think of my, my neighbor, Dorothy, uh, who, when we moved into our first house in Denver, lived next door, a uh, very old woman, loved to chat, um, and, and she would tell me about how Dennis Gallagher would make sure to stop by every year, whether, regardless of what position he was in, talk to her, catch up with her. She, he knew her. She wanted to talk about the issues. He wanted to talk about her. Uh, and, and that is, I think, the impression that so many people got of Dennis Gallagher. And that's why when he talked, people listened, because when you talked, he listened as well. Well said. At a news conference earlier this week, Governor Polis announced most Colorado taxpayers will receive checks of for $400 or more later this summer. The checks represent refunds of excessive state revenue mandated by Tabor and will be dispersed in August of this year rather than in spring of next year, as originally planned. The announcement was criticized by Republican lawmakers, calling it an election year political tactic. 
David, it seemed like the uh, the scene right through the rebranding of this happened very quickly. Uh, I don't think this fooled many people paying attention, but rebranding is there for a reason. Your thoughts on the big announcement? Well, I'd say kudos to Governor Polis and the Democratic legislature for delivering several months early uh, the 2023 refund, and but people will actually get it in, in, in 2022. And I think that's safer because if you let them keep the money till after election day, they might well figure out some way to <laughs> evade the taxpayers' bill of rights even more uh, and, and keep the money and spend it for their, their own purposes. Uh, I'd also say uh, kudos to Heidi Ganahl, who was one of the leaders of the campaign against Proposition CC in 2019. That was something that was backed by Governor Polis and the legislature that would have eliminated all of your tax refunds forever. So if this is some kind of political tactic, I think it's great because it makes the election issues clear. You've got the one candidate who wanted to eliminate your refunds forever, the other candidate who saved your refunds, and when you get that $400 check, you can think about which candidate you prefer before you vote. Eric, this has been called by Governor Polis the Colorado Dividend. And taking a cue from this, I tried to rebrand me taking the garbage out to the curb to my wife as the husband dividend. She didn't buy it. And I'm not sure if Colorado's going to buy this one. What do you think? Well, speaking of branding, um, I would appreciate it if you would refer to me as Eric. David is an ignoramus Sonderman. <laughs> I mean, because that is... A well known you know, nickname. since we're all putting slogans now in the middle of our ballot titles <laughs> yeah. or our TV appearances or whatever, I would appreciate that uh, going forward. Just when you think it's impossible to get more cynical about politics, you get moves like this. I mean, the only thing lacking is Jared Polis maybe adding $100 of his personal money to the 400 bucks, And let's just round it up and give every voter, uh, I won't even call them taxpayers, they're voters as far as um, those in office are concerned, a nice $500 check. I liked uh, Governor Polis's quote here. This was on... Uh, Colorado Public Radio, quote unquote, obviously there's going to be, you know, cynics who decry it. Yes, those who see any political motives here are the cynics uh, in, in, in Jared Polis's mind. This is a state due to a lot of federal relief and due to uh, economic comeback that is awash in money right now because of Tabor. That money has to be returned. Uh, traditionally, it's been returned the following spring. The fact that we have an election year uh, coming up, an election coming up in November, I'm sure is entirely coincidental. <laughs> uh, Ed, you're right there where the action is at the Capitol, so you're seeing reactions on both sides. And this is not the first time clever rebranding has happened. So your thoughts and the reactions there at the Capitol. Well, it's, it's part of a, a series of moves that are being made by the legislative Democrat majority right now uh, to do things like this. Uh, case in point, uh, last year they passed Senate Bill 260, a $5.3 billion transportation infrastructure bill that set up the road usage fee, otherwise known as an extension of the gas tax, it's now called a fee instead of the tax, um, uh, that was set to go into place uh, in, in, on July 1st. And believe it or not, they have pushed the uh, delay on that out to right after the election. Actually, they, I'll give them credit. They, it was going to be till January, but they've now found a way to get back to April of next year. Um, and, and people say, 
boy, that's coincidental. Uh, and, um, and, and, and it is. Look, you know, we can debate this. You know, Polis's push is people need relief now. And in the spirit of people need relief now, you can argue they need relief over the rest of this year. And you can argue from the opposite side, hmm, funny how the rest of this year is an election year where you and your party are trying to hang on to the majority. I mean, there's, there's a number of other cases like this. You know, there's, for example, uh, they're giving a one-year break on five different fees businesses pay to the secretary. Secretary of State's office, and, and I've, I've asked the sponsors why one year, and they said, "Well, let's let's get a year in, and we'll see if we can find money in the future." <laughs> um, I mean, you're you're laughing, and and some people do not, but um, I think anybody who says that it's ridiculous to assume that these could be related to the election is wrong. And I and I will fairly say, I think anyone who says these are absolutely only related to the election at least has to ask, "Well, don't we need some kind of relief right now?" Patty, you offered some great analysis of all this on a recent CityCast uh, podcast. Shout out to our friends at CityCast Denver. Uh, what are some of the things that you're, you're thinking will come out of the cynicism of, maybe there's folks that are you know, watching our show, I think we'll probably see through this, but for the average Colorado voter, is it cynicism that will rule the day? Well, one thing will be people will be reminded of what Tabor is. Mm -hmm. We passed that 30 years ago, 1992, and I think a lot of people have no idea where the taxpayer of right taxpayer bill of rights came, what kind of effects it's had. And it's not just that you get a refund when the city, uh, when the state collects certain amounts, goes way over the anticipated budget. That's what we're going to see with our $400. But also Tabor gave, basically put in, in law that you had to let the taxpayers or the voters vote if there was going to be an increased tax, not fee, increased tax. So that has been a real change over the last 30 years. How and I think most Coloradans would applaud that. They will also applaud getting their $400 back, even though it might not buy anything more than, let's pray by next August, 100 gallons of gas. But among other things, we really need to remember what Tabor is. Do we want to repeal some of it? Do we not? What is The state has survived when people predicted it would not back in 92. But I would like to have put the governor's office on a budget for how long their lines can be when they send out announcements, because they all start now with, as promised, we are giving you a lot of money and we're putting, we're taking care of you people who are suffering right now. Every, every release is coming out like that. Yeah, I'm not sure who saves me more money, King Supers with their coupons or the governor's office with these press releases. Makes, makes sense. It's good. Good point. No cynicism here. We're uh, pure, purely positive. Let's get to our next topic. The, the Colorado Senate Judiciary Committee voted 3-2 to two to advance a bill to address the fentanyl overdose uh, crisis. The measure will make changes to opiate regulation, treatments, and criminal penalties. Eric, we've, we've covered this as it's progressed. What do you make of its current progression, and uh, are we closer to what you think the final product may look like? I think we're closer. I think we get closer every day. It has become the issue that has really dominated these final weeks uh, of the session. It's interesting that the two votes against it in that Senate committee, one came because it was too tough a bill as currently exists, and one came because it was too lenient a bill. And the balance is what is tricky. I think the issue that a lot of people are hung up on, and that I personally would be hung up on, is the notion, not just the amount, the one gram um, uh, piece, but uh, the piece of knowledge that you had to know it was laced uh, with fentanyl before the, the, what you're um, possessing, 
possessing before you can be accused of a felony. And then you just open up a whole new legal can of worms in any prosecution because you not only have to prove possession, you have to prove knowledge. I think that's what a lot of people are concerned about. I would like to see that come out of the bill between here and there. Uh, we still have a ways to go. Ed, you're right there with all the actions happening. What do we need to know about what's happening behind the scenes, not only on this particular vote, but on the issue overall? What we need to know is that legislation on both sides came in saying this was going to be a session that looked to reduce crime. And the idea of reducing crime has been reduced to a single bill now. This will define the legislative response to crime, even though there are a number of other bills that are creating grants for hiring a, a more diverse or even just hiring people, period, in, in a police department. Um, I think you are also seeing the reaction to this, uh, quite frankly, define the Denver mayoral race for 2023. Um, you have one uh, legislator who is looking at that race, Leslie Harrod, uh, who is saying, look, we need to be careful to not over-criminalize things. We need to, we need to make sure this is, uh, this is something that still helps people. Uh, you have another legislator, Alex Valdez, who is looking hard at that race, uh, who has come out and said, I'll back this, but it's not enough. We need to do more. We need to criminalize more. We need to take care of this more. So what's going on behind the scenes is that people realize this is the bill that the people are going to be talking about, maybe out of all the bills in the session, uh, and that it's going to affect uh, our perceptions of Denver, the Denver mayor's race, and possibly even uh, crime as a major point in the election in 2022. Patty, what do you think? We've been talking about it a while on this show, but it sounds like we'll be talking about this issue for quite a while in the future. Well, it's certainly the drug du jour. I've seen no evidence that fentanyl makes you steal catalytic converters or cars, which are really <laughs> the big issues right now. I mean, Colorado is number one for car thefts. But we are not focusing on that at the legislature. The other thing I'm pretty sure we can prove is that even a trace amount of fentanyl can kill a political career. Well said, as always, Ms. Calhoun. David, wrap it up for us. Well, as I said two weeks ago, the drug war that started in 1911 with the Harrison Narcotics Act has been a disaster, a failure, and it's done much more harm than good, and it's also led to a lot of destruction of civil liberties. I hope they keep in the requirement that before you prosecute somebody and send them to prison for the felony of possessing something, the government has to prove that you knew you had it. That's, that's simple fairness, although that's certainly in lots of the drug war and, and other things, those, those kind of protections have been uh, destroyed. Uh, but the problem with criticizing the drug war, as, as I do, is the alternative we get is this public health approach. And I think both criminal law and, and public health ideas have something con to contribute. But if you go into the full public health thing, you get that's the disaster you get we have at Union Station. It's the disaster you have in California. And it's the absolute destruction of the city of San Francisco uh, when you think that only public health is the way you're going to approach these problems. Colorado is becoming so prone to drought that the USDA has declared the entire state a, quote, primary natural disaster area, and Buzz is building about how to address that and other environmental issues. House Bill 1355 would establish a nonprofit organization in charge of levying recycling dues to manufacturers, shifting the cost of recycling programs from consumers to business. Legal consultation may hamper the bill's progress with reports saying it could be a violation of five different laws. That's not much of a hurdle, Ed, but you are right there again there. You've covered the story, uh, especially with your work at the Denver Business Journal. What do we need to know about, is this even going to get out of the legislature this year? Well, let's, let's start with the common ground here. Okay. Colorado has a 15% recycling rate. 
that sucks. Everybody agrees that is not acceptable and something needs to be done. Uh, however, and of course, we knew there was going to be a debate about the method by which the state could could force change. This is a very different bill, and and you always see the is this constitutional, is this Tabor worthy uh, debate. This one's different because what 1355 does, and, and I wrote this about a week and a half ago, is it creates a first of its kind voluntary nonprofit into which all producers of goods that are packaged must join um, and, uh, and, and must pay dues that are determined by this group. Uh, and, and we've never quite seen anything like this before. You know, there are very small outs for getting out of it. Um, but the question is, is very legitimate here, is this not just evading the state's enterprise laws, uh, which say if you're going to create an enterprise, it has to be voted on that's this big. Um, and, and is this not... Um, is this even legal to, to create a, an out-of-government organization that compels others to join it? Uh, so I think there'll be a lot of debate about the merits of the bill, but this if, if it's going to go down, it is going to be around the organization of how this would happen. And I think there's a lot of merit to discussing more in depth whether or not this is a way that things can happen. Patty, I know as a nonprofit, PBS 12 would love to have a voluntary, but you must actually join policy. We have not been able to figure that out. But, you know, if, if this works, yeah, hey, I'm up for any great idea. Um, what do you think we'll see about this and other environmental issues at the Capitol? What we're going to see is this bill will be taken out in the trash. The question will be, will it be recycled in another form <laughs> next year? It could be. In the meantime, however, we have Denver now looking at a big new trash program where you could pay more depending on how much you get, out, you throw out, recycling, composting. And I think probably the city-by-city city concept is where to go. This legislative solution is not a smart one. David, I don't know how you follow that top-shelf political snark there, but it is your turn, your thoughts, what we'll see here. Let's focus on the drought. The, the drought was declared because we had, in all 64 counties, eight weeks of very low precipitation. It was also declared in some of the, the counties, that the neighbor Colorado. Droughts happen here. It's been going on as long as this climate has existed. Colorado is semi-arid. You're going to have droughts some year. The uh, Greg Walter, former head of the Colorado Department of Natural Resources, wrote a great paper last March for the Independence Institute called "Where Life Is a Land Where Life Is Written in Water," and we need to improve water storage and water efficiency use in Colorado uh, so that we can get through these drought years. One of the many changes that needs to be made is that agricultural users, when they do something to improve their use so it's less efficient and they don't need some more water, under the current law, if you do that, oh, you, you just lose your water rights uh, for the efficiency gains. They ought to be able to, as in other states, improve the efficiency of their use, use less, and then sell that savings uh, to somebody else who can uh, put the water to beneficial use. Eric, wrap it up for us. If there's a theme on this show so far, I think it's that of cynicism. And in a very cynical age, to my thinking, uh, our leading officials in government should have a mission of reducing cynicism, not contributing to it. I find this bill, back to the Ed and Patty conversation, to just contribute to cynicism. It's a voluntary association, but your participation is compulsory. Now, how is that not ultimately cynical. It is obviously an end run around Proposition 117, which the voters passed uh, on enterprise zones. Uh, we just get more cynical and more divided as a country. 
Well, certainly embracing the cynicism. Let's get to our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. The current mess at Parks and Wildlife, where director Dan Prenslow was lauding a woman who had put on a big program, 600 people there from his, from his department, uh, who was black, and he said, oh, there she is in the back of the bus. You Words matter. Be careful. He is now on leave while there's an investigation. David. The Department of Homeland Security is creating this new Ministry of Misinformation uh, so the federal government can stop people from having wrong think uh, about ideas. And the person that President Biden has nominated to head this, Nina Jankowicz, is an expert spreader of misinformation, like the flat-out lie that the Hunter Biden laptop uh, was some kind of fake thing. The problem with government control of misinformation, so-called, is the government is the creator itself of so much misinformation. Eric. Patty referenced during the show that uh, Colorado leads the nation in car theft. That is an unfortunate statistic. I can attest to it. I wrote recently about my own experience coming off a minor accident, supply chain issues, uninsured motorist issues, and then ultimately the car being stolen. My disgrace goes to the city of Aurora. Their police department, I think, is doing fine work trying to break up this ring. But to retrieve your car from the impound lot after it's been stolen, requires that you pay a $160 tow charge. I'm fortunate I can afford that $160, but if you don't have the money to pay the tow charge, then it accumulates an additional charge of $30 a day for storage, and after a month, you've racked up several thousand dollars, and they just keep your car. Ed. It is a very populist idea to go after forgiving student loan debt, and President Biden is doubling down on this this week. However, I worry that as he does that, we devalue higher education by telling people you do not need to pay for what you get out of that. And at a time when we need more trained students doing high-tech jobs than at any time in our history to keep up the world, we can't devalue higher education. Time to say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty. The judge who determined that Dave Williams could not use his very popular Let's Go Brandon nickname that he got in the cradle. <laughs> David. <laughs> the two Coloradans who are now serving on the International Space Station, Jessica Watkins and, and Kajel Lindgren. Eric. Colorado Public Relations pro and all-around good human Brad Bauman, who has spent the last several weeks in Krakow, Poland, on his own dime working with Ukrainian refugees. Ed. Jason Hansen of History Colorado organized a project last year called Hindsight 2020, where 20 of us were asked to look back in 100 years and talk about what 2020 meant. We just finished up a series of talks up at Chautauqua about what this meant. We need more people and more ideas like this to promote conversation and good thinking. Thank you, Jason, for doing this. And I would like to end with say something nice about uh, my dear friend who's joined us for this episode, Ed Sealover. As you know from last week, and we talked about it, I'm in my last few shows, so you'll be hearing a little bit of this at the end of shows coming up. But uh, I uh, was looking for a great panelist in 2008, and as usual, called Lynn Bartle. She's been my go-to for years. She said, I'm busy, can't do it. Call Ed Sealover. I was like, who's Ed Sealover? Just call Ed Sealover. I did, and one of many, many great pieces of advice that Lynn's given me over the years, Ed joined us in 2008 in the midst of one of the greatest election seasons we've had, did a fantastic job, and we've been able to reap the benefit of your award-winning reporting and, and just being uh, a great friend of the station and of mine for so many years. So, Ed, uh, thank you for being a part of this for so long, and thank you for joining us on one of these last shows. It means the world to me. It's my honor. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.
We'll be right back.